The Shaggy Jenkins Show. We have to make Russia great again. On the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. Welcome to another fun fact, a filled edition of, oh God, who am I kidding? I always try to make these things sound exciting, but once again, we're going to cover some terrible news, including... uh, Mike Pence comparing Donald Trump to MLK, racism on the rise in America, Uh, a little bit of good news from the world entertainment to start us off before we go down the downward spiral of American politics of the day. Well, I guess before we get to all that, I should introduce myself. Hi, I'm your host, a critical thinker, problem solver, guy just left of normal insane, but always centered in common sense. My name is Shaggy Jenkins. You can find me at my website, shaggyjenkins.com, on Spotify, Patreon, and every other website you can think of at The Shaggy Jenkins Show, or wherever fine social media, sir, follow me at Shaggy Live. Now, he is the host of his own national talk show where they take on issues that, quite frankly, I am not smart enough to discuss. Please welcome comedian, writer, and host of the Ron Perti Show, Midwest correspondent, Ron Perti. Oh, they're not that they're, it's not that they're too smart for you, Shaggy. It's it's that, it's that, we're too, the, the topics are just, I mean, we, this last week we talked about a woman who texted a man 165,000 times in 24 hours. Yeah, I... Although we did break down how many times that was per minute without using new math. Whoa, without Common Core? How dare you? I know, the, the children were left behind. Gosh. Well, let's talk about something that the kids are kind of hip to these days. Ron, uh, primarily... Just, oh, how, how we'll get you... to that story. Oh, oh, which story? No, I, I, you said what the kids are hip to these days, and I said, you mean racism? And I was like, oh, no, we'll get to that story. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's start off with a light note, shall we? I mean, it's right. it's 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 a short week for people. Their brains really aren't as engaged as we usually have them on this day. So let's start off with something light. Um, not too long ago, it was revealed that R. Kelly is a very despicable human being through the series on Lifetime, Surviving R. Kelly. Now, of course, knowing that these guys live off of royalties and things like that. Um, Ron, is it any surprise to you that finally technology has caught up to them and Spotify has just started rolling out in beta testing so far, just for the iPhone version, the ability to pick and choose the artist that you are actually hearing? In what way? I mean, like you can block the ones you don't want to hear? Right. That's just it. Like, okay, for me, before this whole Lifetime drama thing kicked off, uh, um, and and you probably know this because on your show you have a co-host who actually works with TMZ. When TMZ released the story of, of Chris Brown and his savage beating of Rihanna, I did everything I could, both as a club DJ and as a radio DJ at the time, to not play or support any project endorsed by Chris Brown because, hey, I know that they make their money off of live shows and stuff, but some of their money does come from royalties of plays. Now, when we went to the technology jump out of radio, everybody was like, oh, okay, well, I want to listen to this mood of music, and sometimes that mood would play artists they might not agree with, like 
you know, say for instance me. I'm listening to workout playlist and a Chris Brown song comes on. And I've done everything in my life not to have him, him or his music endorsed by anything that I'm about. Well, now with this new feature, not only will, will, will guys like me that, that, that pick their other artists, but this, this resurgence in interest, and I'm going to be honest, of white America in the mute R. Kelly movement, with this new feature from Spotify, could we actually topple his R&B empire? Um, I think with Spotify rolling this out, it's great. Um, for people who listen to Spotify, um, for me, a lot of times now I will listen to Spotify to, um, uh, support podcasts that are starting to roll out there, uh, because we're, we're, even though there's 90,000 podcasters in every single city and every single state in this entire nation and possibly the world, we still need to support each other because the, the cream rises to the top. You know, yeah, and so everybody who does ten episodes on what they thought of the good place, uh, and then falls off. For every eight of or eight or nine of those, there's one or two that have done damn near two hundred episodes, <clears throat> um, and uh, and things like that. So I, 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 that's why I go to Spotify when it comes to music. Uh, I make my own playlists. I don't play around with that with letting somebody else pick my music for me. I'm very particular. I'm like uh, um, um, uh, Rob Gordon in High Fidelity when it comes to my music. I know I can't make it. I'm not good at making it, but that's my, you know, I'm, I'm very picky. Um, it's, it's all about what you like, not what you're like. Um, but with them taking Spotify away from certain people like a Chris Brown or an R. Kelly, honestly, I don't think it's going to take much away, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because there's a lot of performers who came out recently who said, I've had three or four million downloads or, or streams on Spotify, and I got a check for a hundred bucks. Oh, yeah. And I, I know yeah, you're not, you're, you're, I, you're, I, shipping, I know. you're shipping away at their pocket money. That's it. Uh, yes, I understand that. But it's also chipping away because of the, the, the prevalence of these type of uh, apps and the, their areas of usage. It does chip away at their public reputation, which at the end of the day, R. Kelly, despite having a public reputation of being just a creepy kind of guy, still enjoys downloads. And then this is kind of one of the things that, that's interesting. In the aftermath of finding out of how he's kidnapped, imprisoned, and raped underage girls, R. Kelly's download streams went up. Why is that? I honestly don't know why, and it sickens me. Well, it, it makes me it makes me wonder what what is wrong with this country. The thing is, though, is like a lot of it could be attributed to people wanting to hear kind of similar type of music without hearing him in these algorithms. And of course, what happens when you hit shuffle? They automatically schedule some R. Kelly music in there. So now. With this new rollout from Spotify, the ability to kind of pick and choose the artists that do get heard not only is going to have kind of a social connotation or a social justice connotation like with the R. Kelly and stuff, but Ron, let's talk about as far as bands, does this mean that now bands really have to be kind of hypersensitive 
to their public image so that people like them enough not to block them on services like Spotify. Well, I think more bands and hip-hop artists and stuff like that have to become um, like closeted 50s politicians. Really? Yeah, to the point where they have two separate lives that they're leading. Because they have their, here. hey, look at all my rock and or roll or hip and or hop. But then you have the whole, hey, look at me. Uh, I'm a squeaky clean individual. Uh, not really telling people um, that they like to urinate on people. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, to a less extreme. Uh, the, the Snoop Dogg, who was Calvin Brodus, who was on trial for uh, potential attempted murder, and is also the guy that does a baking show with Martha Stewart and runs his own football league as a coach who's very inspiring to the youth. There's Well, and that's the thing. Money changes people a lot because he's got that... Um, that how do I put how do I say this? He's got that fu money. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what he does. But at the same time, he used that to kind of give back in a positive way to those around him. And then then there's the other side of fame where you got that kind of fu money out there, and you use it to exploit and extort others for everything you can get from them. And and now. It seems like because streaming services have always been the safe haven of bad people. If if you've done a horrible thing, you can still have your podcast up. If you've if you've raped and kidnapped women, you can still be on playlists uh, that are just selected by a random mood. But now it seems that they're finally getting hip. At least apps are. And I'm going to ask you if this is an honest question: Are they starting to develop a conscience about what they do? Spotify? Yeah. Uh, maybe. Uh, I think maybe they just want to be on the right side of history when it all comes crashing down. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Now, this is kind of one of those stories, and, and, and I want to get past the Spotify thing because, look, it's not rolled out to Android. It's not rolled out to desktop yet. If you've got an iOS device, hey, cool, all you got to do is go visit the artist page, click more, and it says block this artist and you will never hear that person again. But moving on into something else, because this is kind of one of the things that we, we've talked about on the show before. We, we, we always mention how society changes without people knowing. Well, the, one of the stories that's uh, been shared to me from Slate and Believe it or not, it comes from our good friend in Orlando, Stacy Roberts. Trump. Hi, Stacy. Hi, Stacy. Uh, the thing about Trump's administration is that, d- despite all of the stuff that we know that they've done wrong, behind the scenes they've done some really weird and creepy moves legislatively that should definitely, on the long side of history, be viewed as wrong. Now. This is kind of one of the things that happened not too long ago, and Slate is just now kind of rolling out some updates on. Donald Trump and his administration and the Department of Justice decided a while back, like, God, I want to say April? But they decided a while back that they were going to change the definition of one thing that we've always had a problem with in this country. So, Ron, I'm going to... I'm going to say these two words that they've changed the definition of, and I want to ask your definition of 
the term domestic violence. It's when a significant other beats up the other significant other, and I'm not going to use gender terms because it can be two men or two women uh, or, or a transsexual couple, if you will. So, no, it's when one significant other beats up another, or, I mean, you could even say, um, you know, if uh, a father beats a daughter or or a mother beats a son or something, that, that all that's, that's all domestic violence, too. Yeah, but what it means is that within a household, within a quote-unquote family unit, that there has been some occurrence, some altercation that involved physical violence between two individuals or more. The thing is, is that, Ron, when it comes to, cis, let's say, cis-normal heterosexual relationships, women, specifically minority women, have always been at the bottom end of the justice totem pole when we talk about domestic violence. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. They don't get a chance to uh, come out and tell people that things have happened to them because they are afraid of what's going to happen, what the consequences are going to be uh, of of putting a, uh, a dent in the boys' club. Yeah, and let's let's just face facts. <laughs> Most of the time when a woman who is a minority comes forward and actually stresses and tells everybody, hey, this was some very real terrible stuff that happened to me, well, we end up with, with situations like Clarence Thomas where we made fun of Anita Hill. We, we had countless political cartoons skewering her character, but at the end of the day, the guy that did all the terrible things to her got a pass and... For the most part, we just kind of told her, go back home, little girl. So, in an error that, 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 that Obama brought, when he started to pass, at least public acknowledgments, and then later certain acts along recognizing domestic violence and recognizing the victimization of certain communities in domestic violence, it's kind of, okay, I'm going to just throw this out here. Ron, if you're a person like Donald Trump, why would you even want to wade into these waters? More distraction. I mean, him, him trying to... But at the uh, same time, uh, the, the, the same way that he's muddying, uh, going into these waters, he's not saying, oh, you know what, I'm just going to come back into this because um, it's a thing that's not Mueller's investigation. And he's going back in it and saying... Let's change the very fundamental definition of domestic violence so that victims who are already marginalized go back like some 20 years of marginalization. What sense and, and, and what kind of mindset must you have to, to, to want these victims to go backwards? I honestly don't know because I'm afraid if I try to think like Donald Trump... Uh, my brain will melt, um, and, and it'll say, excuse me, but why did you stop using me? Okay, okay, I can give you that, but at the same time, this is the thing. The year is 2019. It's the 21st century. No flying cars yet. Thank you very much, Elon Musk. Moving on. The thing is, though, is you thought at this point in society, humanity would have moved past kind of this small little boundary. But it seems like we always circle back and say, 
Nah, let's blame the victims. Or nah, the victims aren't really that accountable. I mean, look at the situation that they allowed themselves to get into. It's almost like Trump is trying to create a guiltless society for men. That, and I often wonder if maybe if he is trying to separate everybody so um, the the people are easier to control. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we can talk about Hall the way he portrays himself to his base and stuff later, but okay, uh, <clears throat> conspiratorial government control uh, theories out of the way. The thing is, is that if I am somebody under a, a, a big microscope, a big looking glass of an investigation, and now I am part of a government that has a very hostile, the House of Representatives, branch against me being me, you would think that Donald Trump would kind of rein it in a little. But going after victims of domestic violence by changing the definition and, oh, by the way, now, Ron, here we are again, more accountability is given to the accused versus the accuser. I, it's just, it, mm. you know, I think Trump has this theory that America was great back in the fifties. That's when everything was awesome. And that's where he's trying to go back to where there were no environmental regulations where women didn't say that they were being abused or that they had been raped or, or things of like uh, of that nature where they were good and subservient and made dinner and lunch and breakfast and pies and hung out at home. I think that's his definition of um, America being great, but anybody who's paying attention knows it's not. Mm. I mean, you've got, you've got the women at home not doing anything, but you've also got... Uh, 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 black folk who who have to use a different water fountain, who have to use a different bathroom, who have to sit in the back of the bus. I, I mean, great for who? You know, exactly. it's obvious. It's great for him. Well, the thing that I remember the most is, is, is my mentor and trainer in the radio industry is a black woman, and she used to tell me all the time, you will never know the shame of standing beside the dumpster and kicking the door on the back of the J.C. Penny so they would hear you to bring you the cheapest set of penny loafers they got. You'll never know that shame, boy. And she was right. So the thing about Donald Trump and his vision of America is, is he, he liked a very whitewashed kind of America. And this is the thing. Because you said that Donald Trump's America and, 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 and his supporters' America is the 1950s, and, and they kind of all agree that that was a great time. You know who wouldn't agree that that was a great time in the United States, Ron? Um, most everybody else. Martin Luther King Jr., who we just oh, celebrated yeah. yesterday. Yeah, that's right. Well, he's back in the news, too, because as long as we're going to talk about Donald Trump, we need to talk about people coming back to work from an extended weekend of, once again, not recognizing what the holiday is about. It's about the civil rights leader known as Martin Luther King Jr. Now, this is one of the things that was kind of sickening over this, this extended week uh, weekend that we had. Mike Pence 
when he started to make public statements about the quote-unquote border crisis and the erection of a southern wall, compared Donald Trump to Martin Luther King Jr. And before I say something and get myself in trouble, Ron, you get the first crack at this story. Go. Oh, that's probably not the smartest thing ever. Um, I, you know, Mike Pence makes it really hard to make a coming to America Martin Luther King joke. Uh, if you've seen Coming to America, you know what I'm talking about and how hilarious that scene is. Um, but it, it's oh, Mike Pence, you anti-gay. I can't even say that word now. Stupid FCC won't let me be. Let me be me. Um, sorry, Marshall. Um, oh, this guy, I swear that he, is he that detached from reality? The thing is, is that the quote he used was quote, now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. He was talking about erecting a wall. Um, <clears throat> is that the context that Dr. Martin Luther King meant that in Ron? Oh, no. Not at all. You see, that's the thing. Mike Pence has been what I would like to call the chief purveyor of the Trump religion. You know all the press conferences where whatever the president says was followed up immediately by Mike Pence thanking him from behalf of the American people for how great he was doing this and that. We remember those press conferences. They haven't done them in a while. That doesn't mean that they didn't happen. However, in this sure? case, in this case, though, this is kind of a particular stain on our country when people that are openly misogynistic, racist, and xenophobic are quoting a guy who talked about universal acceptance. Ron, how far from reality do you have to be as a Republican, as a specifically Mike Pence Republican, how far from reality do you have to be if you think that Martin Luther King Jr. would agree with your stances on immigration? Well, oh boy. Despite looking like a closeted race Bannon, um, he's he's got to be in his own little world. I mean, the guy calls his wife mother. Yeah, I know. Who does that anymore? Uh, nobody that's sane. Just throwing that out there. No, the, 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 okay. The thing is, is when you, you know that quote that Mike Pence gave is actually from the speech I have, the, the I have a dream speech, right? Oh, of course. Yeah, and he, of course. But they manipulate it for their own uh, purposes, of course. Yeah, because he goes on and he kind of said that, you know, you think of how Martin Luther King changed the American system through legislative action. It's like... He didn't do that. He inspired it, but he didn't personally do that. But he, he, he basically said, just imagine all the changes of greatness that Donald Trump is going to bring, a la Martin Luther King Jr. Um, is it too late? And I, I'm asking here, part facetiously, but part honestly, is it too late to give London its colonies back? Uh, I, I hope not, because I would love to have the health care. <laughs> I'd love to sneak on set for uh, a filming of Doctor Who. Well, I'm uh, just going to be honest. Brexit 
is nothing compared to what the United States is going through when we have a civil rights leader compared to a xenophobic, misogynistic, bombastic, openly white supremacist president. Well, I mean, that's like the, uh, uh, you know, uh, but that's the thing, though. Trump Trump's inspires people, too. Look at the Covington uh, basketball players who were uh, making a white supremacy sign on the sidelines, you know, yeah. and uh, I I remember when all that meant for that the Dudley boys were going to hit you with the three D, oh. um, yeah, or John Cena was coming to the ring. Yep. I, but now you know I I just mm. well here's the thing about the as long as we're going to pull out the MLK Jr. Uh, quotes. Let's go ahead and go through the entire litany of quotes in his repertoire, shall we? Uh, because there was, during the time of Martin Luther King Jr.'s life, very famously a wall erected. Do you remember which wall that was? Uh, I do not remember, for I am young. It was. That's the, the last time you'll ever hear me say I'm young. It was the Berlin Wall. Ah, yes. Berlin Yes, yes. Splitting apart Eastern and Western uh, Berlin and, of course, East and West Germany. Now, in a speech in reaction to the Soviet side of the Berlin uh, whole debacle erecting this wall and stuff, quote from Martin Luther King Jr., quote, Here on either side of the wall are God's children, and no man-made barrier can obliterate that fact. Um, how likely are we to see Mike Pence and Donald Trump accept that part of the quote? They won't, because they don't think everybody was created equal, and we're not all God's children. Yeah, I hate to say it, but... You might have a point there. Okay, uh, we, we've got to take a quick break. But, Ron, when we get back, we're going to talk about Donald Trump, his Twitter, Rudy Giuliani, and who oh, good. Why not? I really got to talk about this student, the MAGA hat, the whole Internet uproar about Native Americans and white kids. It's all coming up next. The Shaggy Chinkett Show. Scientific American's 60-Second Science. I'm Lucy Wong. It's peak cold and flu season, which means taking a lot of preventative measures. Frequent hand washing is a must, as is avoiding coworkers or friends who are sick. But we humans are not the only animal that change behavior to keep diseases at bay. So do ants. So the 4-Hers and the nurses, it's two different groups of work. Natalie Stromit of the University of Lucienne. She and colleagues observed ants to see their reaction to the presence of a pathogen. It's the nurses staying inside the nest, taking care of the broods, and being made of young workers, typically. And the foragers are all the workers that go outside of the nest to collect food and uh, defend the territory. 
Forager ants are at a greater risk of getting exposed to diseases because they leave the safety of the nest. So the researchers sprayed a common fungus on a small group of forager ants and then followed their movements to see the way the other ants reacted. We marked all ants in the colony with individual labels which carry these two-dimensional barcode marks like a QR code, which is automatically detected and recorded using a, a tracking system. After the infection, the nurse and forager ants stayed within their cliques and interacted less outside of their work group. The researchers also saw that forager ants spent more time outside of the nest. They increased that amount by 15%, so by quite a large amount. The researchers also measured the amount of fungus on each ant and saw that it was almost completely contained to the foragers group. Some nurse ants and even the queen did have trace amounts of the fungus's spores on them, but the amount was small enough that they could easily groom them off of their body. The study is in the journal Science. Not only does the cliquish behavior stop the spread of the fungus, but it allows you to develop immunization. Something that's quite interesting um, in these ants that's been shown by other studies is that uh, when you receive a very small amount of these spores, you don't have an increase in mortality risk because it's low enough that you can heal. So it sort of boosts your immune defenses and protects you against later exposure to the same pathogens. Seems that in their ability to avoid infecting other members of the community, ants may be more advanced than we are. Thanks for listening. For Scientific American 60 Second Science, I'm Lucy Wong. News from the left and the right. From the guy a bit off center and slightly out of his mind. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Chicken Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. Welcome back. Hey, if you miss any part of this show, don't be afraid to tune in to us on Spotify. Just look for the Shaggy Chicken Show or wherever fine internet is served. Just go to our website, shaggychinkins.com. Look for me on social media at Shaggy Live. We have been talking about a lot. Who's we? Well, you probably recognize this voice from his very own show. He is a director, he is a writer, he is a comedian, and he's our West Coast, uh, Midwest correspondent. Ladies I and wish. Gen- yeah, I know, right? The West Coast? Jeez. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome from the beautiful city of Racine, Wisconsin, it's Ron Perti. Uh, I wish I was in California right now. I'd much rather take a 6.9 earthquake over what's going on here. Yeah, the big cold snap. How is that treating you, by the way, Ron? Uh, It's going to be a blast. Uh, I'm going to have to walk to the grocery store because I think the thermostat in my Jeep is shot, Mm. so I can't drive it. And uh, it may only be a couple of blocks away, but when it's 14 degrees out and there's six inches of snow on the ground and the thickest gloves you have are the kind that you use for gardening, yeah, I'm going to be doing a lot of editing and stuff with nubs. Wow. I'm so sorry because here in, uh, well, did I mention this show is done on a tropical isle in the Hawaiian archipelago called Maui? Ah, you mud up, yeah. Did did I mention yes. that it's summer all year round from this show? Just a little bit, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm so sorry for you people enduring what I like to call weather, but here in Hawaii, ah, we don't have it. Um, here's something else that we don't have, Ron. Uh, getting back into some of our stories. Of the day, uh, there is one strange group of people here on Maui, and they like to run around with the. I'm not making this up. 
PVC crosses and, and kind of hold up signs a la the Westboro Baptist Church. But that seems tame to, to the fallout, not just from the media coverage of, but then the right-wing backlash, the fallout over this, this whole event that happened over the weekend with white students in MAGA hats and their confrontation with a Vietnam veteran who happened to be Native American. Uh, Ron, can you unpack this story in a way that makes sense? I wish I really could. Uh, we, I know we covered this on my show, uh, which you can listen to at www.ron.world with my lovely and rather fetching co-host, Allison Barrera. Uh, but what we did um, is we did more... Uh, we blame the parents for all this because this is something, this is a learned behavior. This isn't something that you are born with that you just kind of grow up. And, and, and I know that people are out there saying, Oh, but you didn't watch the whole video. You just watched what the mainstream media wanted you to see. So you didn't want us to see what exactly how everybody doesn't like people in red hats. Remember if the hat is red, there's hatred. <laughs> Get it? See what I did there? Yes. Huh? I was huh? going to say, if the hat is red, the soul, she's dead. Well, that too, but that's all besides the point. Yeah, the thing is, is about this story is that <clears throat> the right-wing backlash is, is that you don't understand. These students and these white boys who were menacingly and assembled in a group, which I, I thought we called gang violence in the United States, but apparently only when black people do it. Or, or Latinos, or Latinos. Okay, but I mean that's the, that's the whole thing, though. That's the whole thing is that uh, this is white privilege at its best. Them blaming other people for everything that's happened to them. It does seem like that, and and, and even in these actions, because as a good, I say, good Southern boy, I was raised to respect my elders, and when. You see this young man just kind of staring into this guy's face. And, and then, of course, you know, everybody's like, oh, watch the rest of the video. That man was taunting them and calling them names and then the black Hebrews. And then they shut up. Because at the end of the day, this boy didn't have enough strength of character to just avoid being a spectacle. Agree yeah, or disagree? Much. No, he he made sure that the camera was on him when he did what he did. He didn't shy away from it. And like I said before on my show, it's like these kids, if you feel like you're being oppressed, if something bad's happening, then remove yourself from the situation. If you remove yourself from the situation, you won't have to deal with any of this stuff. You won't get caught on video. Your face won't get out there like you're some kind of Charlottesville reject, and you won't have to worry about the backlash coming down on you. Yeah, the the thing is though is that he definitely did not give two. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna say yeah, he didn't give two flying uh, about perception. It seemed like this was and that posturing. kid had no rhythm. No, the one that was dancing, he had no rhythm. No, no, no. But this seemed a lot like and <clears throat> I say this from the perspective of saying there was a bunch of young teenage males gathered in a herd exhibiting volatile or <clears throat> menacing behavior. Why is it that the, the, the mainstream media and why is it that people by and large don't just say, hey, these guys were acting like a violent gang? 
I, it pains me to give you the answer to that. Well, I want you to kind of attempt it because, you know, this they is were the, white. It's so it's white negligence, white. ignorance. It really is. It really is. Uh, it, it's it's they are getting a pass because of the color of their skin. And if this isn't proof enough that this country is down the tubes because we can't come together as a people, then I don't know what else. What more do you need? To, what what do you need? Does does Donald Trump need? You know what? I don't. He won't. Doesn't need anything because he doesn't understand anything. He doesn't understand that a tie shouldn't go past your belt. He doesn't understand that. You know what? Maybe I should get a better haircut. He doesn't understand that if if you're gonna go out and buy all this fast food for all these kids, if you're gonna, if you claim you're gonna pay it, pay for it, even more proof that you violated the emoluments clause. Why don't you just go down and you know what? If you're gonna feign. Uh, some blue collar uh, BS. Go to Olive Garden. Right. At least that looks classy. I know, and this is the thing too, because getting back to this story, the big backlash is is is, is from all of these right wing sites and and supporters of John Donald Trump's kind of way of thinking is is that you know what these kids are victims. These kids were just put in a bad situation and 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 history will show and the rest of the video will show that they were just gosh outnumbered so they're the real victims i want to ask you the very legitimate question ron do we live in a country where white men are the most victimized of <sighs> In in their perspective, yeah, but it's not true. They get away with so much, uh, so much stuff by blaming other people, by saying it's uh, somebody else's fault. Blame the black guy, blame the Mexican guy, blame the Asian guy, blame somebody who isn't white. But what all these white people need to understand, and I'm speaking as a white guy, what you need to understand is that we're not the majority anymore. But and all those old it. guys and all those old guys. Oh, that's the thing is the white people still have the power. No matter how many people, uh, in, uh, how many uh, uh, women have joined Congress or people of color or anything like that, no matter how many people, okay, it doesn't matter because it, the, the, the overarching uh, reach in Congress and in the Senate is still old white guys. Yeah, 78%. Well, no, 75% of the Senate is white men, I think. It's it's actually disproportionate uh, very badly. But, look, the thing that kind of gets you is that protesters uh, at this event, you know, ha- have kind of said that, oh, you don't understand the full story. And, and, and then there's the right-wing pundits that come out and say, no, 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 these white boys are the real victims here because they were provoked into acting like this. With that said, and I'm kind of going to go jump the, the pond from the Shaggy Jenkins show to the Ron Pertee show, heard here on Pacifica Radio once a week. Um, I want to make the jump and say, at what point do you go back to the parents and say, you see this? This is bad, defective, learned behavior. You didn't teach them how to cope with situations like this and actually come out looking like a decent human. At what point are the parents responsible for what we saw? 
they're 100 percent responsible. And and the worst part about it is we can yell at the parents all we want, but the parents learn this from somewhere too, and their parents learn this from somewhere too, and their parents learn this from somewhere too. I'm sorry, let me get, fix my record that's broken here. You know, this stems all the way back to before the Civil War, uh, probably before the Revolutionary War. You know, this this learned behavior that you can't, you're, that we are not equal. You know, that's why you've never had, uh, I'm trying to think here. Uh, yeah. Okay. And this is this case in point. And I'm, I love wrestling. You know, this, yeah. I'm a big professional wrestling fan. Uh, in fact, I have it on the background while we were, while we're doing this. Um, but as I'm looking at the screen, I see two white guys in the, in the ring. Okay. Uh, and I, we have never had, um, a black guy hold the biggest title in the company. Okay, you can say The Rock, The Rock, but The Rock is half Samoan, half black. Yeah, that's a little different. Yeah, we're talking like somebody like a Bobby Lashley or uh, somebody like that. And the reason I say Bobby Lashley is because, you know, he has his MMA fame and people know who he is. Um, But it's like people, you know, you will never, and I don't think you'll ever see a full-on 100% black person hold a major title like that in sports entertainment, as it were. Okay. I am just going to say this because this I'm is not calling Vince Mc, I'm not call, I'm not calling Vince McMahon a racist, but you're if just it saying like, that he definitely walks the line. It, he, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it hates black people. Well, that's the way this world works. And, and this is the thing. There's been a lot of stories that have come out in the media of white people acting like dumb crackers that there's this immediate kind of backlash and saying, oh, no, 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 no. The white people are the victims here. The white people are the victims here. The, 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 the thing that really gets me, though, is, Ron, every single time you have stories like this, this event come to light, it's two days after it kind of broke on a Sunday afternoon and, and went viral. And yet people are still wrestling with who was in the wrong. So I'm going to ask you to solve America's problem and tell us once and for all, Ron, that whole scenario that happened, who was wrong? Everybody but the Native Americans. Because let's be real honest here, when it comes down to it, I think there might be a law in the books where if a Native American kills a white man, they get away with it. I'm saying if that law doesn't exist, uh, it should. It should, yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to, I'm throwing that out there as as the statistic is very underreported that, you know how much we talk about police brutality on this show? Did you know oh, yeah. that the minority that is most likely to be shot with encounters of law enforcement is indigenous, a.k.a. Native Americans? Well, that's the thing is if you go back and watch the whole tape, the only person who tried putting a stop to anything was a Native American elder. He was a Vietnam vet. I'm pretty sure he knows what escalation of violence amounts to. Well, not only that, but he comes home. From a war he had nothing. No, no Vietnamese person ever did anything to him. I believe that's a Muhammad Ali quote, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, so he goes to a fight a war. He has nothing to do with kill people. He's never seen before. He comes back from this war that his country has sent him to. And, and all he gets is spit on by hippie women uh, that call him a baby killer. Yeah. 
And so at the end of his years, you would think that he would kind of want to quietly go back into yeah, just just history as being a good and decent man in his later lives. And now this story that's come up when he was basically just doing something that was pre-registered for, by the way, it was actually signed up for months in advance by these people that he represented. But <clears throat> on this day that he just wants to not be a part of history anymore. Now he's going to go down as the Native American, these white kids, and here's the two narratives, these white kids bullied and menaced, or these white kids stood up against because he was using his race as a weapon against them. I just, I can't, I can't understand anybody who, who's white, all right, who says, I, I think that I've been oppressed. I just cannot fathom a white person saying I've been oppressed. I've never I've been screwed over, but not because of the color of my skin. It's because of the content of my character. You know, which is wasn't what that everyone the dream? needs to be judged. Yeah, I want everybody to screw me over because I'm a, a dick, not because I'm a white guy or a black guy or a Mexican. I want you to look at me, get to know me, and then realize that my life is worth nothing. You know, that's just it. <laughs> if you're going to judge me as worthless, take time to actually do the research and find out for yourself that I am. Don't just judge me like that and because of what I look like. And here is the censure. Because I'm going to make a weird segue here. As long as we're talking about perceptions and how people look and how they're perceived. Donald Trump, I, this is kind of one of those under-the-radar stories. Ron... Did you happen to see some of his 40-plus tweets uh, during Sunday, and I can't remember how many from Monday, where <clears throat> part, of those, part of those tweets and images that he posted kind of featured a, well, I don't want to say photoshopped president, but oh, he was definitely photoshopped. Um. For a guy that says appearances, if it is what it is, that's what it is. Is it kind of ironic that he spent so much time releasing fake images of himself? It, it doesn't make any, any, I mean, it makes nothing but sense that he is a, uh, a, a, a vain, um, Words I can't use. Yeah, words I can't use on an FCC uh, monitored show. Well, actually, is the FCC still monitoring us? Because the government shut down. At this point, the FCC has shut down their complaint line. They're not really taking anything about the internet or broadcasting standards as far as their hotline. I mean, go ahead, try to call. (laughs) I did. It didn't work. Um, So, I don't know, Ron. I mean, at this point, with the longest shutdown in the United States history, which, by the way, Kind of got to throw this out there. This week, it seems like not only the United States representatives and the United States senators are pressuring Donald Trump to end it, but the world as a whole has kind of came after Donald Trump and said, look, if you don't end this government shutdown now, you're going to cost your country and a bunch of other countries that depend on the United States untold billions upon billions of dollars. So... You know, transferring over to this story, because we, we, we don't have much time left, here's the thing. Ron, Donald Trump has proven that he will be stubborn to the nth degree in everything, 
and acknowledging that other people exist and acknowledging that female is a gender and that he can't quietly pay off prostitutes and make them go away whenever his political ambitions deem it necessary. With, with Donald Trump, this, this kind of week is going to be odd for him. What, what do you see with all the stuff that we know over the weekend, especially with the stuff that he tweeted and talked about, like his skinnier than him images? What do we think this week is going to be like for him? It's not going to be good because isn't Robert Mueller about to drop a bomb on him? Very huge one, it would seem. So Yeah, the, 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 the it's big, not going to be a good week. The thing is, though, is that Donald Trump did spend some of his social media equi- uh, equity on defending Mueller over the weekend. And, and this is the thing. Mueller came out in, a, well, at least the special counsel's team came out in a very rare, unprecedented move against a buzz story, a buzz feed story from last week, alleging that two federal officers that were close to the investigation had the inside dirt that the president specifically told his then attorney Michael Cohen to lie to testify uh, to in his testimony. That that would have been perjury. However, here's the thing. In the aftermath of of the Mueller basically coming out and saying, hey, you can't say that because it wasn't factually true, the attitude in the House of Representatives is, and I'm going to ask you because I'm no legal expert and neither are you, so this is going to be fun. Ron, did Donald Trump's mere appearance of wanting people to lie for him actually amount to? To perjury, and if he had merely suggested that maybe Michael Cohen think about his testimony, that in itself is the act of perjury. From a legal standpoint, I'm not exactly sure where to go with this, but from a court of public opinion standpoint, uh, the more people who think Trump told people to lie for him, the worse it's going to look, and if Robert Mueller doesn't bring him down... Come 2020, it's going to be, we're going to be, or come January 20th, 2021, we're going to be swearing in uh, President Kamala Harris. Oh, yeah, because this week has, has seen a lot of Dems throwing their head and uh, their hat into the ring. And I, she's the only one that seems worth it. Yeah, I know, I know. But the, b- before we talk about the elections to come, we have to talk about the presidency that is, because... This is the thing about the Trump administration. They're very guilty, would you say, of bait-and-switch tactics. Of course. Yeah, and when it comes to this latest revelation, is there a big enough bait for them to pull a switch with? I don't think so. I think they're kind of stuck at this point because, uh, I mean, people look at a BuzzFeed article and then it, it took it took a little while for Mueller's team to come out and say it was false. So that got to simmer inside of uh, the, the, the public consciousness's head and him coming out and saying it a week later uh, that it's not true doesn't it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, and this is a weird thing about that, that that whole kind of atmosphere around that story is it was very likely, and I, I read the entire piece, it was, seemed very likely that, I hate to say it, but that's kind of the actions that the president would take if he were to take them. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. And the fact that you read a, a whole BuzzFeed article, I'm so sorry. 
I know, I know. At the end, did you know what kind of tree you were? No, I didn't. But I did feel pieces of my soul pass away, never, never to return. The thing is, is about this particular BuzzFeed story is it's actually doing the thing that it's supposed to do, feed the buzz in D.C. And now, House Democrats are saying, hmm, if there's a story about him definitely doing this thing, of definitely telling Michael Cohen that he should alter his testimony, then there is a very good chance that just based off of this speculative story of what may have been in an alternate universe. I mean, like, seriously, I know I'm, I'm saying a lot of big words and kind of stretching out what I'm meaning here, but I'm trying to point out the whole ridiculousness of this next statement, and at least it's ridiculous to me. Ron, what do you think about Democrats saying, look, just because we find out that this case isn't true, that doesn't mean that Donald Trump isn't guilty of perjury in some other sense. Um, it's, it's like this. It's like, just because Lex Luthor didn't kill 3000 people in a subway tunnel, doesn't mean he's not guilty of selling the bomb to the person who did. Yeah. It's called, you know, accomplices or, you know, collaborators. Yeah. So he, he, uh, just because this one time he didn't do something doesn't mean he didn't do it before. Or won't do it again. Yeah. So, I gotta ask you, because, you know, we've got like, I don't know, like two and a half minutes left here, Ron. When it comes to the things that are about to come down the pipes this week, we've had Mike Pence very unsuccessfully comparing Donald Trump to Martin Luther King Jr. We've had Donald Trump going on a whole tirade of Twitter so far, two days and going, blaming Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and everybody but himself for the government being shut down. We have rumors uh, that, that, that Republicans might actually be wanting to make a deal outside of the president just to get the government reopened. I mean, if you're Donald Trump, and, I, and this is a pretty hard question, but give it a shot, Ron. You're the smartest guy I know. If you're Donald Trump, how do you win the week? You don't. Because your weeks are getting worse and worse and worse and less and less wins. Remember when we were supposed to be sick of winning? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we are definitely sick of the prosecution winning against people uh, affiliated with your campaign, people affiliated with your public trust, I mean, soon to be your son-in-law and then your two sons. Yeah, I, I, I think that's winning in the wrong direction. Or as how one famous D.C. personality put it at one time, Petey Green himself said, day hustling backwards. Yeah, pretty much. But at the end of the day, when we look at the Donald Trump administration, a lot of people have brought up time and time again comparisons between Donald Trump and, of course, Richard Nixon's presidency. Well, we're now at the point where Nixon has lost public trust, much like Donald Trump. Here's the odd question of the day, and you got like 20 seconds to answer this one. Ron, do you think that the end will come as quick for Trump as it did for Nixon? No, he's going to drag this out and soak the taxpayers dry. Yeah, that's the whole reason Nixon resigned, by the way, so that he wouldn't cost the American public millions and millions of dollars. Ron, where can people find you during the week? 
uh, over at ron.world. All roads point there. All roads point there. Well, thanks for being on the show. Hey, and until the next episode, everybody, try to maintain some sort of semblance of sanity. I promise it's not going to get easier any of this week. Till next time, love you, mean it, get in, bye.